0: There are probably a lot of words in the English language that we really botch. Um, I think that's a a word botched. uh, It's probably used more in Minnesota than it is here in Nevada or something. But but, uh, this one word that I want to talk about today is probably one of those words is your wonderful is the title of the message and I want to talk about wonderful Um, all too often and I I realize this as I am getting ready for this message all too often I I realize that I use the word wonderful in probably more of a sarcastic way than a genuine real way you know how that goes? oh great, wonderful (laughs) wonderful And so, I want us to think about it. When was the last time you were in a state of wonder? When you were truly awestruck. Not dumbstruck, (laughs) but awestruck. In our day and age, it sure seems like there's not much... That truly amazes us anymore because I've been there, I've done that, and I've seen that. You know, we see it on TV, or you get to travel and you go see it, and you know, it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool that you went to uh, you went to Italy, you know. And you know, we tend we tend to have that kind of um, feeling sometimes. And what I want to do is is bring us back. To what this passage is saying in First John about what truly, what is truly wonderful, and all too often we're we're doing the same thing with God's word is saying, "Oh yeah," kind of, I, I yeah I get it, I'm good I'm good with that you know wonderful that we're saved or you know those kind of thoughts that come forth. But I, I'd like to just point it out. That over and over and over again in Scripture, God's wonders are declared. If you were to just look up the word wonders, what is, that? by the way, what is it? What is it that is so wonderful? How would you define it? How would you define, not describe, how would you define wonderful? And uh, again, I, I kind of get sidetracked a little bit with you know how guys are, you know. That it's it's. Uh, well, I can't. I, I'm just gonna. I'll share it a little bit here. Back in we, we we're with a family back in Minnesota, and um, we we're driving along, trying to follow the people you know that we are supposed to follow. And and we there's nothing you know it's just like farmland all over the place so we're following after this and all of a sudden Noreen takes my favorite hat and she's swinging it trying to get a bee out of the front dashboard and and she's swinging at this bee and then flips it and there it goes out the window <laughs> And it's like wonderful. <laughs> I can't stop. It's my favorite hat. You know, it's a World Series hat. You know, one of those kinds. Because I, I can't stop. we got to keep going. Because if we don't know where we're going, we're just following the car in front of us and they don't know what terrible thing just happened. <laughs> That's dumbfounded. <laughs> Not, uh, you know. But there's a lot of examples for us, folks. Um... And what I want to do is is get to the example set before us in Scripture here, the what's stated by God. And so I want I want you to look with me here at chapter three, first John chapter three, verse one. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, we now we are children of God and it has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, just... Uh, As we get started here with this time in your word, looking at it and and wanting to uh, have you speak to us, please um, clear our minds and help us not to get distracted. Help us, Lord, to recognize how truly wonderful your plan of salvation is. And help us then to be changed and, and grateful for this. And we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. Or behold, what manner of love. Behold is everyone, everyone, look here. That's the idea behind behold. Look at this. Get locked in on that. And then the idea of what manner of love. Behold, what manner of love. And you've got to love this word. It's, it's a word used um, to refer to another country. Behold, what other country kind of love is this? It's foreign to us. It's His love. And so, point number one here, in regarding uh, asking this question, is your wonder full? We start with point number one, and that is the astonishment of God's love. The astonishment of God's love. Okay. Right? The reason his work is so amazing, so astonishing, is because he didn't just rescue you, Christian. This is, this is a message to, to Christians. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon who's us. It's, it's Christians. So the message is to believers in Jesus Christ. And this, I, this idea of his work, of sending Jesus, John chapter three, verse 16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, okay? He didn't just come to rescue us. He didn't just come to deliver us. He did that. and then he went the next mile, as we say, and He adopted you. Christian, you, you've been rescued and delivered from sin, and adopted into his family. Okay? And so, we start with, in our outline here, is the experience of adoption. The experience of ad- adoption. And uh, it might be that you, you yourself, you were adopted into your family. Um, I know of people that have been adopted. Uh my family, we adopted a little baby, and he's my little brother that's big. <laughs> and uh, it's Luke, my, my younger brother. We adopted him. And so we've got a, an idea, a bit of a perspective of a, what adoption means to our family. And, um, you know, we, it was pretty easy, you know. Um, my mom was uh, a foster parent. And she asked for a certain age group back in Minneapolis area. And, you know, little babies is, you know, she wanted to help with the little babies. Well, you know, we could have adopted all of them. <laughs> They're all cute and adorable. But for some reason, they needed a foster parent. Okay? Now, stay with me here. We had this kind of a, a choice. It was, it was pretty easy to say, oh, well, look at this little guy. We named him Luke. Luke Timothy. And he was adorable. I wouldn't say that about him now, but he he was adorable then, you know? And in high school days, I'm helping mom change his diapers, you know? Learning how to do that stuff in high school. We got to choose. And he wasn't, uh, you know, diseased. He wasn't deformed. Okay? a number of things that come forth in this that help us to recognize here's here's that situation, but what about the spiritual situation of God's adopting you? And you stop and think, well, hey, you know, it's, it's pretty cool that I'm saved. I, I mean, you know, isn't it nice that I'm, I'm in God's family and that kind of thing? but when you compare it really to what God says about you in your pre-Christian condition. We have, to, we have to kind of lay this out here. So bear with me as we kind of look at the true condition of people apart from Christ. We're described in Romans chapter 5. You can jot that down if you'd like. Romans chapter 5 is there's a, a trio of names that are given to people who do not know the Lord: ungodly, sinners, enemies of God. And it's not really an exaggeration to add more detail to this, such as being violators of God's law. In other words, rebellious. Being debtors to God. Because we're His creation and we are accountable to Him. But now in our rebellion, now we are debtors to Him. And then to bring in this whole idea of orphans. Before knowing Jesus Christ, I was one of those diseased, deformed And discarded orphans. And there's there's nothing in me that merited His adopting me. His saving me. And so, as we look at a verse like this, behold, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. It's so helpful that we compare it with how God really saw us before Christ, before coming to know Christ. And here's the thing, folks, when we go about life, we're looking at things most of the time from our own perspective, our own measurements. And we look at it at folks here in Fallon and we say, hey, this is a great town. Yeah, come on and move to Fallon. It's great. All the people are really nice. And that's true. It's, it's really true. There's a lot of nice people. And, and make you feel, you know, at home. But I'm not going on our standard. You're not going on our standard when it comes to God's love. We've got to go on His measurement, on His standard, on what He says is the true condition. Maybe some of you were kind of uh, shocked to hear some of the things that Matt was quoting from the baptistry tank it almost sounded like pretty pretty bad news. But see, that's what we have to understand. We have to understand how bad the news is. You get that? So that we can really appreciate and glory in the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And so... It's not how we describe our condition. It's how God describes it in His Word. We could add this, blind, leprous. Those those are images in the New Testament Gospels that, well, we we see this guy, he's, he's leprous. Everyone stayed away from him. You know, but Jesus came and cleansed him. Well, there's the picture of you before you knew him. The blind man. He couldn't see. That was you before you came to know Christ, Christian. You couldn't see. And so spiritually, He gives you light. He gives you sight. And I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Okay? So, you got the picture here? God adopts us out of His love, out of His grace, not because our character and our record shows us to be worthy, like God got a really good one when He saved Cody, or when He saved Matt. And We think, oh wow, isn't that great? Yes, that's great. But it's not because Cody or Matt were such great guys. They're sinners. They're debtors. Okay? Let's throw another one in. They were wicked. I was wicked before God. So, we need to understand that so that our wonder can be full, okay? We want that to be focused on the Lord. For what he's accomplished. Well, there's the, that's the experience behind adoption. Letter B is the evidence of adoption. The evidence of adoption that you're truly God's child. You see it in the last part of verse 1. And such we are. There he, he repeats it again. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. The evidence of adoption is in the distinction the distinction of living for Jesus. There's a repetition of our status or our position. Okay, and that's what we need to hear so that we'll register that and then live that way. That we'll live as children of God. And glory in His love. By the way, that idea, you've got the word bestowed in there in your verse, verse 1. That He has bestowed upon us. That's the idea that He lavished it upon us. He lavished it. He he, He just poured out the buckets and buckets and buckets of it. He lavished it upon us in Christ. Okay? And so the evidence here comes forth in... This is a clear connection as to... Here's the children of God with the Son of God. What did the world do with the Son of God? They rejected Him. They didn't believe Him. Okay? So, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the world's going to do similar things. There's going to be a rejection kind of uh, condition there. And the world does not know us, and it didn't know Jesus. God's amazing love distinguishes us from the world, knowing Him through the love of God, ought to make you an alien in this world. Not to purposely be an alien, to be weird or something like that, but to follow what Jesus has already given us in His Word. That you would live for Him with your sights set on Him. Your focus on Him, okay? And when you do that, you will be an alien in this world. If you know this love, it's because you become His child. And then, thus, you are distinguished from the world that rejects His love. And let's face it, there's a, there ought to be a concern amongst us as believers because of what we see in the world situation. In, in our, and when I say the world, let's bring it down to here's our culture our community, how are Christians really living? Are we asleep in the light, as it says? Challenge yourself on that. Are we asleep in the light? Or are we truly saying, I need to serve the Lord here today. I need to honor Him today with my words, with my thoughts. And all that comes because... He saved you, He rescued you, He then adopted you into His own family. You know, stop and think about that. You know, He didn't just save you. He didn't just, you know, say, Okay, I saved you, now you're clean, now now head on your way. No, He brought you into His family through adoption. He made you a child of God through faith in Christ. Okay. Okay. Let's move on into verse 2. It's point number 2. Verse 2 is the assurance of God's glory. The assurance of God's glory. This is again in regards to how full is our wonder. And when we stop and consider, here's this very next verse. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because... We shall see Him just as He is. Now, the Bible talks about salvation in three terms. Justification. What's the next one? Sanctification. And the third one? Glorification. There is the package of salvation. And what He's now crossed into is the third point, the third part of salvation, and that is glorification. All right? And we split this up into two parts, letter A, what we do not know, and letter B, what we do know. <laughs> All right? Kind of touched a little bit on this last week, but what we do know what we do not know, letter A, is exactly what we shall be. He says it right there.' It's not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. John's made it clear, we who believe. ...are children of God. He's already said it twice in this little passage that we're looking at. And there's, a, there's importance to that. Why does he keep saying it? So that you and I, will, as believers, will then get that and then live that way... ...in this life, in this world. Yet, there are many things that remain a mystery for what is yet to come. Whether it's regarding our new nature... ...or whether it's about heaven... Okay. I, and I ask this question: Are you going to heaven when you die? Are you going to heaven? How do you know? What do you base that on? At lunchtime today, or you know, afterwards, talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your friends. How do I know? What's what's behind this? And we take polls in America and it's like everyone thinks they're going to heaven. Of course. Because it's based on what? I'm a nice guy. And so God will obviously weigh out the the good from the bad and He'll see that Swenson's really a nice guy. And that's a false premise to go on. You don't go on the balance thing with God. God's already said it. it's It's a standard of perfection. And you and I can never ever make that that standard but Jesus did and so thus we put our faith in Jesus and his righteousness is accounted to my account then so we do not know exactly what all is going to happen but let, let me give you this illustration and a lot of books are written on it like this is what this is what heaven's about And how, I don't know how we measure that either. I don't know how we figure, is that really the case? Uh, here's this guy, he says he's been to heaven. How do you, how do you gauge that? Is everything true? I, let, let me study the Word of God and, and use this as the filter for everything, including heaven. Okay? Okay? So let's look at it this way. It's more like this. The baby in the womb. The baby in the womb can hear whose voice? Mama's voice. And then later on, Donnie and Sarah, right? Uh, Sarah's with child, yeah? And if Donnie comes along and pushes on little baby, maybe baby's going to kick back and push back on what daddy's trying to do. And so there's an understanding of something that's going on with the little baby in the womb. But boy, do they have a surprise when they come out of the womb. Okay? And my friend... That's probably one of the best little illustrations about what we're dealing with right now. Right now, we can hear, hear the, the voice, so to speak, from the Lord in His Word saying, come after me, come to me, keep, keep trusting me. All these, the voice of Jesus calling out through His Word to walk in His way. And yet, we just don't know a whole lot of the details. I I use our own daughter as another illustration. You know, we say, "Oh, well, Sarah's Sarah's dancing in heaven. She loves dance." Um, you know, right now. The the whole idea of um, how does she dance if her body's in the ground? You know, it, it's that. Here, here's that thing that helps us. It helps me. It helps. It helps us with our loved ones, thinking that oh, this is what they're doing in heaven. And you know, I'm, I'm okay with that, that. Yeah, Sarah's dancing in heaven, and people say, well, and she's getting to know so and so, or she's seeing, you know. Grandpa in heaven. I'd sure like to think that. What about this one? Can my daughter see what's going on here? Or can my father-in-law see what's going on here? Can your loved one that's passed on, can they see? Well, gee, that should be nice. But we don't know. Hebrews 12 talks about a great cloud of witnesses that cheers us on. Maybe they are joined in with that great cloud of witnesses. But there's just a lot that we really don't know. But letter B, what we do know, we will be like Jesus. Not like He was, but like He is now. Amen? Like He is now, risen, glorified. We will be with Jesus. I know that. If you're a believer, you know that. We will be with Him. And heaven is a place, but it's a place all about Jesus. And it's not some fictional notion. It's not some, you know, continuing story that gets added on to more and more and more. (laughs) And you know what else we know? (laughs) There will be no sin. Are you tired and weary? There's no sin in heaven. A better day is coming. Anger and bitterness will be gone. Pride will be gone. Greed forever swallowed up in love. Sorrow and tears give way to fullness of joy. Hurtful memories gone. Foul speech turned to praise. No more lies. No more lust. And Jesus will reign forever. Philippians chapter 3 and Romans chapter 8 talk some more about the glorification of the saints. I encourage you to write those down. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And Romans 8, verse 23 and verse 30. Point number three. We have the, number one, the astonishment of God's love. The assurance of God's glory. And now point number three, the application of godly hope. Look at verse three. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. The results in a change in how a Christian lives. Okay, it, this all results, you know, saying I've got this. I, I I am wowed by God's love. I'm astonished by God's love, and I have this assurance of God's glory. It ought to result then in a changed life. Meaning, just what he's saying here. You're gonna purify yourself because he is pure. Okay? So letter A is the defined vision. The defined vision is simply fixed on Jesus Christ. Being focused on him. You say, I can't do that, that kind of thing, because I got, you know, I, I got work to do and I got this, that too. <laughs> well what what is your focus end up being on if if that's your attitude what you do in your life occupationally you need to say God please help me to live for you and work for you you're my boss Lord I want to honor you with all that I do and so a defined vision is in good times or in trying times or in difficult times it comes back to here's my hope And we fix our eyes on Jesus. In our trying time with the last two years of our lives, I give credit and praise to God for the prayers of brothers and sisters who were supporting us in the most difficult time in our lives. And it helped us to say, you know... We know, we know God can do a great and mighty miracle. And the miracle was to take Sarah home. wasn't how we envisioned it. But we believe she is dancing in heaven. <laughs> It's a defined vision. Letter A is a defined vision because it's all found in the Bible. The Bible is what defines it for us. Okay? You don't come to know Jesus Christ apart from the Word of God. It's got to be, here's the proclamation of the Word. The Gospel message so that people might be saved then that defined vision of fixing your eyes on you, fixing your hope on Jesus, results in, letter B, a divine virtue. The divine virtue, and that is purity, holiness, holiness of character. That's the result. His love, His future glory, motivates us as believers to know Him more to live for him so that we won't be ashamed at his coming so it's about here's the confidence that a child of God can have and it results in i want to purify myself why because he's he's watching he, he doesn't take his eye he doesn't slump, he, he doesn't sleep nor slumber if i'm his child i'm in his His hand. If I'm His child, I'm His. I can call Him Father. And nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Even the tough stuff of life. Nothing will separate us from His love. That's why He keeps saying, You're a child of God. You're a child of God. And moms and dads, you you see that. You know what? This is my child, and that's just the way it is all of this life. So, the idea, the the word, purify himself, that's the verb there in verse 3, means, or I'm sorry, um, it, it means what it says. Purifies himself, cleanses himself, and it's in a present active indicative. Means it's ongoing. This is something that Christian, child of God, you're doing on a consistent, regular basis purifies himself, as he is pure. Christians look to Jesus. That sounds silly to say, but there's a lot of people that say, I'm a Christian, but are living for themselves and not having any concern for holiness. So, is the application true of you? Is this application true of you? That you have a godly hope? That if things are good or bad, it doesn't matter. But you keep pressing on to say, my hope is in Him. It's a godly hope. And thus, purification takes place in your life. You're doing it to yourself. Why? Because He is pure. He is holy. You're, you're saying, I want to press on to honor Him, to please Him. Does it matter? Does it really, really matter After all, He's forgiven us, hasn't He? Right here, it's saying, it matters. It matters what you think. It matters what you say. It matters how you treat others. It matters. Here's a display of holiness because your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Okay? So, we, we wrap it up in saying, has his love, listen, listen, has his love really amazed you? Or do you just kind of figure that's, that's, yeah, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what I want to try and accomplish here today, folks, is that we'll go beyond just the mere word to actual, wow, this is amazing. I'm not really great at, at this kind of thing, but stop and think how big the earth is in comparison with our universe. If that doesn't wow you, you need to have the, the, the medical people come in and sh- you know, give you the shock treatment and liven you up. <laughs> it's amazing to think, you know, our little earth, it, it is little in comparison. And yet look at what God has done in creation first. Stop and think. It is not just some little podunk planet out in the solar system. There's a an amazing creation. And you know what? <laughs> the earth keeps revolving. And here's here's the sun again. Is this a beautiful day or what? And and the more that we can can recognize and put these pieces together and say, oh God, you are so wonderful. You don't have to do it with all the emotions like I'm doing it. But for crying out loud, he's wonderful. And he has sent Christ to give you an eternity with him. And He's just he didn't just save you, he made you his child. So let's go live that way. Live as a child of God. Turn away from yourself. Turn away from your own agenda and ask God to fill your life with wonder and, and, and walk in His will. Honor Him in your life in that way. Behold, what manner, what out of this world love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. In as long... As you have life. As long as you have life, you keep watching. You keep being ready. All too often, we're watching for other stuff as we get older. How's my bank account doing? How's this, you know, health? Those are important concerns, but are we looking for His return? And so we say, God, help me to occupy till you come. Help me to serve. Help me to watch for your appearing. Help me to keep witnessing and giving Jesus to others. And as we go, just ask Him, God, fill me with your wonder.